Welcome back to the Starbase Indie Podcast, where we talk to and about people who are inspired by Star Trek or science fiction to work towards hopeful futures in the real world. Okay, I'm David Welch. I'm the owner and operator of uh, Pop-Up Escape Rooms and Experimental Gamer. And uh, what we do with Pop-Up Escape Rooms is that we um, transport, set up, and operate escape rooms at conventions and other events like uh, Gen Con, C2E2, Anime Central, and uh, now Starbase Indie. So we've been doing this about six years. Uh, I just do it part-time. Uh, there's not enough conventions to fill a whole schedule, but uh, I wish there were. I really like doing it. At Experimental Gamer Studios, I saw on your website, you believe that video games have the power to make us feel, think, and experience things in ways not possible with other media. Talk a little bit about what that means and how you use it when you put games together. Sure. Video games are an in, uh, are interactive rather than passive. A lot of the entertainment we digest is passive. Um, so involves, and so video games have, you know, the, the same elements as uh, television or movies with, you know, sound, images, music. There's also an interactive element to uh, engage you with that's not found in other uh, types of entertainment that uh, we really like to explore. You've been a developer of video games and also in-person interactive media experiences. Which one do you like better? Um, I'd say it, switch back, it switches back and forth depending on what's going on with each. Um, uh, right now I'm enjoying the uh, live interactive adventures more just because we've had so much fun at Gen Con this year and Anime Midwest and I just put together a new room that I'm really excited about. And I got another idea for a room. I don't have enough conventions to justify so many rooms, but it's still fun to think about. So I'm just having a lot of fun with that right now. So how does your design process work? You're in the middle of thinking about one. How does that process work for you with interactive media? Hmm. Well, I guess uh, for the escape rooms, I guess, I guess you're juggling a lot of different factors um, because there has to be the implementation factor of how is it all going to work and come together. So um, I think my very first room, I'll just start there. My very first room I did is just an, an experiment. I didn't know how far I was going to take it, but just do it for fun. So I just went to a thrift store to see what they had. And I didn't want to invest mm -hmm. a whole lot in just an experiment. So I noticed they had a lot of like, um, stuff from like the you know, late 90s or early 2000s or even older. And that's why I got an idea for having it set in a classroom because that's what I could find. So it kind of worked backwards from there. So there's kind of this um, practical element to determining where to go. And then um, you got your settings and it's like, well, what, what are some puzzles I can come up with and how can I relate them back to what the room is about? And how can it all make sense? So I came up with like a list of like a hundred puzzles mm -hmm. and I thought of which of these are going to work with this room that makes sense with the story and the atmosphere, uh, which are going to be something I can do and how much fun are they going to be? Um, so I guess that's part of the fun brainstorming process. Sure. So what kinds of puzzles do you, what do, when you say puzzles, tell me more about what they might be. I don't, I don't want to give too much away, but um, 
Uh, a typical escape room puzzle is kind of a, comes down to a codex and a lock or a lock and a key. But sometimes the key is not like a physical key, but just uh, an information that tells you how to unlock or activate something. So um, you know, a typical puzzle would be like a, a four-digit combination. So you've got the combination lock, there's four digits, and the key or the, the codex would be um, what are the four digits and how do you come up with those numbers? So your escape rooms are a little bit different in in that they're portable. They go from location to location. So how does that affect the, the design process? How does it affect the, the running of the game? And that's a good question because it kind of changes what we focus on. So we are limited to uh, what we can transport. Um, so we, we don't have uh, props as fan fancy as like a, a, this event like you would have at a physical location. So what we try to focus on is um, um, what's going to engage people more and what is going to give them a memorable experience. So uh, the reason I call them live interactive adventure rooms, because I think when people approach an escape room, they have a certain mentality of what to expect. Um, they, a lot of times people go in and they expect, okay, you're escaping the room. That's it. That's the beginning and end of what you're doing here. So you're just looking for, you're interacting with everything in the room, trying to figure out what uh, is going to let you do that, how to activate things. Um, so what I want people to approach my rooms with is more of um, they're in a situation. Like in detention, they are, um, they find themselves trapped in detention. They are in like another worldly realm version of detention. They, they can't leave. And they don't know why they're there. They don't know why they can't leave. They don't know what they have to do in order to leave. So part of it is the mystery element of, of uh, figuring out um, the answer to those questions along with solving puzzles. So um, that's sort of what I mean by an adventure room because uh, it's a different situation you may find yourself in and there's the kind of following the story of the situation is going to help you figure out how you want to uh, solve the overall problem you find yourself in. So in addition to your work with pop-up escape rooms, you've also designed sort of more traditional video games. How is that process different? It's longer. <laughs> the easy answer is it's much, much longer. Um, but it is really similar in a lot of ways. It's kind of one reason it's fun to gravitate to uh, escape rooms is because you don't have to build everything from scratch, pixel by pixel. You can find the items you want and design them and put them together. And it's much uh, less time to bring a project to fruition and see it built. Uh, the drawbacks is that uh, you know there's it's physical media, there's transportation, and all these extra costs and uh, things that break and things like that. Um, but um, as far as like the approach and the design, I think they're really similar because in both forms you're considering uh, the player or the players and how they uh, how they uh, approach the media and how it flows with them and how they interact with it. So whether they're interacting with physical objects or digital objects, it's still kind of the same. 
So you are bringing an adventure room called Secret Aboard Starship Astraeus. Pitch it to our listeners. Why should they spend an hour of their Starbase Indie learning the secret of Starship Astraeus? Uh, good question. So um, I think uh, they're going to have a lot of fun if they are Star Trek fans. It's not a Star Trek licensed room, but there's a lot of uh, overlapping interest here. Um, so this is probably our most adventure room of all of our adventure rooms because the premise is that you're space scavengers and you are sent aboard a derelict starship to look for supplies. That's it. That's the really the only premise that you have. So if you're not, you don't know if you're trying to escape or what's going to happen. And those things sort of evolve as you play. This is a the reason I like the from adventure room is because um, once uh, the players uh, board the ship, uh, some things start to happen and then it's up to them how they react to them. I don't want to give too much away, but uh, a crisis develops and there's more than one way to handle this crisis and how they handle it, uh, they'll determine that by interacting with the ship, learning about um, the situation they're in and also how the ship operates and trying to use uh, the ship to find one of several possible solutions and how they want to handle the crisis. Um, I think people want to play because I just don't think there's a lot of other things out there like this. Um, so it's definitely something that they would remember and uh, take with them. It's, uh, it's probably the, one of the closest ways you'll get to actually um, learning how to operate a starship on the bridge. You mentioned that it there are a lot of elements that overlap Star Trek. Is it? Uh, are you a Star Trek fan? Yes. What is it you like about Star Trek? I think of Star Trek, I think the characters, I really like the characters and how they approach things from different points of view, and yet they all get along well together. There's not a lot of uh, television shows where you have a team of people that generally get along nicely and work professionally together. Yeah, I think that was part of Roddenberry's vision is he didn't want there to be too many clashes among the crew members themselves and they wanted to show like an optimistic future where people were uh, able to get along even though they were very different in some ways. Yeah. What other uh, sort of science fiction do you enjoy? Hmm. I'm a big fan of the most recent reboot of Battlestar Galactica when it came out. Mm -hmm. That's a good example of uh, a crew that did not get along very well. <laughs> In some ways, sure. So, um, it's really like that. I think it's others that I was really into. Um, um, I'm sure some will come to me. Do you play a lot of video games in addition to designing them? Uh, I try to. Um, not as much as I used to. It's, it's tough to get some time in. I think it's, it's important to, though, uh, at least for me. Sometimes uh, it helps get the creative juices flowing. Say. Do you have a favorite video game? Gosh, I'm going to say it's my favorite these days. I answer that always changes. Maybe um, I should ask what you're playing now. No, I just I just finished an RPG, so I'm not playing anything now. I'll talk about games that I like. I, I guess um, mm -hmm. I often like games where you get to explore. 
Um, I like even the strong storylines and exploration. Like uh, I like the idea of being dropped into a mysterious world and trying to make sense of it and seeing what's around every corner and being surprised by what you find. So I like um, really liked Hollow Knight that came out a few years ago. Um, that's a good example. So it's a game with like a really mysterious story and setting and also some great gameplay to, to just really draws you in. Of course, I like uh, RPGs a lot. Um, the, it has, they usually have those elements I'm talking about. But um, really just uh, any game where you get to explore an intricate and interesting world. What is the difference between an escape room and a live interacted adventure room? Um, so an escape room, I, I think is your situation is that you want to escape and there's not much more to it than that sometimes. I haven't actually played a lot of escape rooms, so I'm not sure, but people tell me that um, it's, it's really just kind of a, a setting and you were just focusing on solving puzzles and how to escape that setting. But uh, my plan is to put people into a room and uh, have some kind of adventure happen in that one hour time period. And that will involve solving puzzles and trying to figure things out, but uh, it's more of like a, a narrated adventure sequence where they um, following like a story from beginning to end. So in addition to the Starship Astraeus room, you've got other ones that are available. Tell me about some of the other ones. Um, so I mentioned uh, detention. That's uh, set in a cursed high school. And the premise there is that, uh, as I mentioned earlier, is that you're, you're just simply cast into detention, you did something wrong. And um, when you get in there, you find yourself that the, you can't leave the room. Um, there's some otherworldly stuff going on. There's uh, like a dead body in the room, and you don't know why. And uh, part of it is um, uh, finding out that there's this ghostly presence, presence, present that uh, is manipulating things and it's manipulating the room. And your objective, uh, if you ever want to escape, is to free it or not, depending on how you want to approach the situation. Um, and that one has multiple endings, so that one is really a lot of fun for people because there's like different ways they can handle it. But um, you don't have to like uh, follow the story of the rooms exactly, but sometimes it does help because um, there's like the question of, oh, who is this? Who's this dead body? Who does this belong to? Who is this ghost? What does she, what does she want? Uh, that that might help determine what decisions you make. Um, Another one uh, I just put together is called The Last Masquerade. And this one is actually more traditional. I'd like to continue to spice it up with some more uh, adventure elements. But uh, this one is um, based on the Edgar Allan Poe story, Mask of the Red Death, where you are trapped inside uh, Prince Prospero's Castellated Abbey and the Red Death is uh, tormenting you. And if you, only way to escape it is to, um, do something where you have to, where it's called playing the song of the dead, and, but you don't know what that is. So you have to uh, explore the room and solve puzzles and figure out um, who else, you're actually locating uh, the masks of other people that have died and they assist you when trying to figure out how to play this song of the dead in order to be let out. And that one, uh, 
I guess the highlight of that one is that the, the puzzles are more technically impressive. I won't I give too much away, but there's a lot of put an object somewhere and something else happens somewhere else they didn't expect. Just tough to do with the portable rooms, but I have some, are some, too many good ideas as I have to fit them into this room. And uh, I also have uh, an idea for a room that I'm just kind of brainstorming now, but uh, I'd really like to go through with it. Um, I want to make a, what I would call a reverse escape room adventure, where the idea is that you are you are in the woods and you find this cabin and you go inside and you accidentally summon this uh, urban legend monster, human or something, and it's coming for you. So now you have to figure out how do we keep it at bay for about the next hour? How do we keep it from getting in rather than trying to leave the cabin or trying to do something else and getting in? And so you have to uh, different things to uh, figure out how to make that happen. And I'd like to kind of um, capitalize on the idea of this um, incoming dread, like something's coming, it's coming. And as the room progresses, the sun goes down, it gets darker, and the creature gradually makes more and more of its presence known until we have um, like an actor show up and start peeking in the windows or something. But that's pretty ambitious, so we'll see. So what other conventions are you planning to attend? It looks like we'll be at Anime Halloween that's in Rosemont near Chicago. We're running detention there and maybe last mass parade. We haven't decided yet. And then uh, Starbase Indies and Thanksgiving. Con Alt Elite, that's what it's called. And, uh, that's also in Rosemont. And that's in December. That's another, uh, it's generally anime. That's all for this year. So what are you working on next? I want to make some changes to Starbase Astraeus and uh, upgrade a few of the props and maybe add an additional puzzle. Um, so I'm working on that. Um, and I want to do the same with uh, Last Masquerade and Detention. Even Detention's around six years, but I still like to tinker with it and add stuff. I have a really great idea of uh, players uh, having a phone in the room getting creepy phone calls while they play weird messages on them. I'm really obsessed with that idea. So I want to put that to detention. Trying to um, grow a business, see if uh, any uh, Halloween haunts want to partner with us. That's something we've looking into. It's, it's a great combo of like a haunted house thing and then also escape room. A lot of them like to pair up those things. So we're looking into that. Um, and that covers, that covers the uh, escape room stuff. And we're also working on our video game stuff. We launched two Wild West RPGs. One's called Boot Hill Heroes. Other one's called Boot Hill Bounties. Supposed to be a third game to wrap up the trilogy. That's what I'm working on now. But it is still pretty early in development. How long does it take you to develop one of those? Uh, it depends. Um, Usually when you develop something, you expand on what you already created, so it should take a less amount of time. However, you're also getting ambitious and you increase the scope, so it doesn't take the same amount of time. Uh, but it also depends on uh, the scope of the project. I probably spent like three or four years on the first game, and three or four years on the second. Next one, that's not, that's not quite right, but... Uh, 
two years overall. So do you have any advice for someone who wants to get into developing games professionally? Video games, my advice is start small. Uh, I think that's the hardest problem that developers have, including myself. I wanted, I intended to start small, just make a slice of it or make a certain aspect of it or just come up with something that you can do in a weekend and then spend the next three months doing it. You'll think you can do it in a weekend, but you can't. Once you've got your feet wet, it's to build on that. So I, I can't stress it enough. I don't follow my own advice, but I, again, it's just uh, start small. It seems like hard advice to follow. Yeah. So where can people find you online? Uh, I think my Twitter is at Experimental Gamers or EXP Gamer Studios. I guess I changed it. Dave at EXP Gamer Studios. That's for Experimental Gamer Studios. Mm -hmm. um, that's probably where I'm most active. Um, I have uh, some stuff on Facebook. And we have a website, uh, experimentalgamer.com. That's not super active or updated. And uh, you can find our games on Nintendo Switch and Steam. So if you find our Steam pages, that's also a way to see what's going on. It's a lot of, probably a lot of updates go over there. Great. Well, thank you for taking the time to talk to me this afternoon. Sure, that was fun. Thanks for listening to the Starbase Indie Podcast. To find more information about our live event this November, check us out at starbaseindie.org or on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. See you on the Starbase.